The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Sorry we're late, everybody. It was Schneier's fault. Welcome to the show. It's beyond the box score. <laughs> on a Monday afternoon. What are we talking about today? Of course, we got the advanced stats for you. Our four big topics today. The Colts running backs with Jonathan Taylor potentially out for the rest of the season. And two tasty matchups coming up. Chargers and Giants, one of the most run-heavy teams since the coaching change. Uh, the Jaguars passing game. Jarek McKinnon, what the heck? Can someone make sense of it? And what do we do about, you know, starting players and tough match? You know, how do you play the matchups, playing the matchups in the fantasy postseason? Of course, we had the Giants and the Commanders last night. Yes, it was pass interference. But no, the Commanders weren't guaranteed to win, even if they made the right call. 20-12, to 12, Giants with the win. We'll talk about that game, go through a few news items and et cetera. Uh, welcome. Happy Hanukkah, Jacob. Happy Hanukkah. Is that is that right? Or I really have no idea what yeah. that. Yeah, it's happening. It was last How the hell night. am I not getting a happy Hanukkah? <laughs> happy Hanukkah to Dan is really what it is. Happy Hanukkah to everybody celebrating. And happy holidays. It's a wonderful time of year. I choose to be an optimist right now. That's why I'm going to try to convince myself to start all my Jaguars this week in the Thursday game <laughs> against the Jets. But uh, we'll we'll discuss that in a little bit. All right, guys, let's go to the uh, let's go to the game. Uh, the Giants and the Commanders was a pretty exciting game. I get, well, I don't know, Jacob, from a non-biased viewpoint, what did you think of that game last night? Was it enjoyable? Uh, it was. I guess exciting is the right word. I, I don't really enjoy watching either team, especially <laughs> Washington. Um, but like, <laughs> uh, it was it was close. It was fun. Like there was a lot of drama. There was. It was a big game. It was uh, a nice crowd, you know. Uh, <laughs> a lot of drama, sure. Uh, all right, I'll let Dan talk talk about the Giants, and Jacob can talk about the Commanders. What are your Giants takeaways, Dan? How about the big game from Saquon Barkley, but a dud from Darius Slayton? What are your takeaways here? Yeah, a few interesting notes on the Giants' offense. They made some key changes that I thought I, I at least had been calling for for two or three weeks now. Really happy to see them make the changes. They went to a lot more quick game in this out of the shotgun, which is something that they hadn't been doing all season. And that was, I mean, they've mixed it in at times, but they really started to lean heavily on it. The best drive of the night, the 98-yard touchdown drive, was a lot of shotgun from Daniel Jones. He's always been a more comfortable quarterback in shotgun at Duke. He ran out of the shotgun almost, I think, like 85% of the snaps or something crazy like that. Same with Pat Shermer during his best season. So what that did was give more opportunities for players like Isaiah Hodgins who are just running like simple slant, flat combinations with Barkley taking the flat and open slant. And so Hodgins has kind of become the more I guess you can say trusted wide receiver or just in general, the more targeted receiver than Darius Slayton. Slayton is a player who I was a little higher on earlier in the season and Jacob had some great stats on him. The open rate stats were great, but if they're going to transition the offense to more quick game, it doesn't suit Slayton as much as the older offense where they were under center taking, you know, five, seven step drops off play action and trying to dial up 
deep and intermediate shots to Slayton. So I think that's my first observation. My second is Saquon Barkley looked the freshest he's looked in over a month since that 35 carry game against Houston. Some really nifty spin moves. He had the screen, you know, he caught that little pass in the flat where he totally juked a defender, turned a one yard gain into a nine yard gain. The burst was back and that could be really important down the stretch on your fantasies. And I think he had just over 20 fantasy points last night. That could be a trend moving forward if he is running the way he looked last night. Yeah, he still didn't have an explosive play. I think his longest run was 15 yards or something like that. But I think if you just watched it, he looked a lot better. I really like the way they used him in the passing game in particular. Just get him the ball and let him do some things. And he had five catches, which was great. He's had a lot of uh, a lot of targets lately, and the yards per catch is still way down. But this was I was honestly a little surprised. I didn't think he'd have that good of a game. Of course, he scored a touchdown. They score a rushing touchdown almost every week. But it was nice to see for Saquon Barkley. You did get seven targets from Darius Slayton. You get the Vikings next week. They're one of the worst pass defenses in football. So maybe he can bounce back. I do think that's an interesting point that you're making about the style of play. I also see this comment from Office Depot. Uh, I don't know if it's like the CEO, but he's he's in our chat all the time. He said, Slayton's fumble lost me a playoff match. I lost by one point, but oh, he didn't brutal. lose the fumble. But yeah, that wasn't considered a lost fumble. So do you play in a league where all fumbles are negative too? Because if that is the case, I kind of <laughs> like it. I, I was thinking about that the other day. Why shouldn't we penalize all fumbles instead of just lost fumbles? I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad take. I like I, that. Take. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It would, it would be it would be pretty bad for quarterbacks. They fumble oh, a yeah. lot. But, yeah. Uh, all right, Jacob, on the flip side, they got the, the commanders got into the inside the five yard line or around there. I don't know where that fumble was around the five yard line twice. Didn't score. You had the fumble uh, from Heineke. You had the, the Brian Robinson touchdown, which was overturned or called back on a penalty that John Perry on postgame said should not have been called the one on Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had, of course, the pass interference that wasn't called. But anyway, they scored 12 points. They left some points off the board. Uh, what are your takeaways from the commander side? Uh, I think the most exciting thing for the commanders, I was this is actually one of the guys I was going to talk about in the advanced stats segment, is John Dotson. We've seen back-to-back games um, that have been pretty encouraging from him. They have both come against the Giants, um, and that's a matchup that you know schematically fits pretty well because New York's so aggressive defensively um, that they leave themselves open for downfield shots, which is, of course, the types of routes that Dotson is running. But still, uh, he's been targeted on over 20% of his routes in each of the past two games. In his first seven games of his career, he was not targeted um, on more than 17% of his routes in any of those games. So that's exciting. Um, Ariadne share up around 30% the past two games. And that is cutting into McLaurin's uh, workload a little bit. We saw McLaurin really, really just dominate um, the target shares and Ariadne shares for Washington for the past couple months. Um, but it's become a little bit more even distribution lately. Um, so that's exciting for the rookie. The running back usage is really interesting. I don't know if it's actually going to matter because they've got San Francisco next week Hmm. um, and Antonio Gibson isn't doing anything with the usage that he's getting. But Gibson continues to play more than Robinson in the red zone um, and completely dominate the passing downs. Um, And so like this week we saw a 62% snap rate for Gibson, only 36% for Robinson. And I think Robinson's only red zone touch in the game was the one that got called back. Um, Gibson completely dominated the snap share in the red zone as well. So it's going to be tough to trust either one of these guys for fantasy. I could see maybe Robinson or Gibson being a play uh, against Cleveland in the fantasy yeah. championship game. But. I agree. Yeah, there's sits against the Niners. Who isn't? Yeah. But I think Robinson is running away with the running downs job. If you look at yeah, the he carries, looks really good. He does. You know, he looks I mean, awesome. He, I think it's pretty obvious he was hampered by what happened to him. You know, it took mm-hmm. him a while to sort of regain his footing, but he is running the ball well. I'm actually pretty excited about him. If you have Robinson and can make it to week 17 against the Browns, I think you could be in for a really nice week, but I think, you know, against the Niners, it's, it's not, it's probably not going to be pretty. One thing I want to add there before we move on is Mm -hmm. I think one thing holding back both Robinson and Gibson, specifically Robinson is just simply Ron Rivera and Scott Turner. And I love Scott Turner's offensive coordinator. I've said on the past and I stand by it. He's the most underrated. If not, he's one of, if not the most underrated offensive play callers in the NFL. He had an incredible drive coming out of halftime to really just counter everything Wink Martindale did from a schematic standpoint. But they went away from the run in this game when they really shouldn't have. The Giants showed no signs of stopping the run game at any point. And that's been in his MO for a long time here with Washington and in the past with Carolina. He likes to throw. He likes to throw a lot. It's a pass-heavy script. It's a pass-heavy game plan. It's a pass-heavy offensive system. So that is one thing that scares me about Robinson moving forward because 
I've seen it happen. I saw it happen last night. It made no sense to me when it happened, and it's not the first time this has happened. Great question here from the chat from Squeesh. Fourth and one on the one-yard line, game on the line. Who's getting the ball to win the game, Jacob, Adam, or Dan? <laughs> I honestly think I should get the ball because I'm probably – well, I'm, I think, Jacob, you're probably a little too tall. When you're at the fourth yeah. and one, you really want – leverage is important. You want to get square. You want to get low to the line of scrimmage. I'm, yeah. I'm five underneath. foot nine. Uh, you are? Reason, I always thought you were tall. Yeah. You look so tall. Yeah, doesn't he, he does look, so look tall? six, seven yeah. foot eight. No, no, I thought he was definitely. He's always just, standing up. Standing up. It's I thought you were like six one, one thirty five. By the way, you're the tallest honest. of the three of us. I'm like five eight and a half. I'm like five eight and a half too. But yeah. after after seeing Adam, I think I was like a clear half inch taller. That one time we met. Would no. you agree with that, Adam? No, I had I a half. About to no. Say, no, we're the it's same clear, height. No. We're the same. I don't know about that. We'll have to reevaluate that next time we see each other. But it's no, it's Dan. Dan gets the goal line carry. I'm taking the goal line guy. Look at <laughs> look at these guns. <laughs> and I agree with Graham. Dan fumbles that ball. Hundred <laughs> percent of the yeah, time, Graham. Absolutely. You should have said a hundred, not zero. It's a That's fumble a, every time. Yeah, it's a fumble. Uh, all right. So those are our takeaways from the Giants and the Commanders. And uh, all right, let's uh, talk about Sportsline. That's where Jacob comes from. Sportsline world. And if you want to subscribe to Sportsline, get great gambling advice, great fantasy advice, really cool website with some analytics. Uh, written work from our experts. It's it's great stuff. So go to sportsline.com, sign up. $9.99 a month, which is nothing for gambling websites. I mean, people pay so much money for gambling advice, it's crazy. How about $9.99 a month, and your first month is $0.99. Cents. And if you can't afford that, Dan will lend you $0.99. Cents. Although he can't afford it either because he won't pay $4 to That's watch Die Hard. True. Don't you try to start painting that narrative. Let's he, he recycle watch. and retire that. I mean, let's retire that narrative because he won't. He I, won't. Pay he won't buy Die Hard. It was not about the Cost money. Three ninety nine. Willing to buy Die Hard. I did. <laughs> let me reiterate. I didn't want to buy it on someone else's account. And the other thing was to sign up for a subscription. I have now found a way to buy it for like five ninety nine. Somebody, a ton of people tweeted at me, crapping on me. Thanks to you, Adam. Good. But one more little sell for Sportsline. Recently, <laughs> I think last week, mid last week, they started putting up, and I love this player props on Sportsline, player prop picks. And that is where you can get the biggest edge on the sports books through the player props. The sports books are really good at setting these lines, overs, totals, point spreads. We all know that. Sometimes it's amazing how close they get. But the player props, they are not as good on. They don't have as much information to work with. So now that those are up on Sportsline, rush over, find your player props, find the player, uh, find the you know analyst you like who's winning with those, and that's my final sell for Sportsline. I uh, am going under Cam Akers' rushing prop tonight. Ooh, 55 and it? a half. How much? 55 and a half. I think I like that. Uh, look, if you play in the spread, if it's the Packers are favored by seven and a half, if you think they're going to cover or come close that's probably not a lot of carries for cam Akers. right and he's his longest run of the year i believe is 15 yards so he's gonna i think he's gonna need 15 carries to get close to 55 yards so i i'm gonna take the under that's my prop also what is this all about adam is being a jerk <laughs> says matt dan gave a legit reason why he couldn't buy it on a borrowed account thank you, matt. thank you matt bring a little logic your to the friend situation. hey i really appreciate that yeah matt. i'm not being a jerk um, geez, he is killing me. Stooping low here, man. We're just, we're friends talking, Matt. Mike, remember God. when Adam said he wouldn't roster Deshaun Watson because because he felt like remember that whole thing that still, I knew was like still a thing. Now you have him in like two leagues. I saw him on your oil of a lave bench. No, you, you, you absolutely did not. I did I'm not have Deshaun Watson on fire. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> Dan's being a jerk. All right, news and notes. Colt McCoy left with a concussion. It could be McSorley against the Bucks. Uh, over under 13 PPR fantasy points for for De, for DeAndre Hopkins against Tampa Bay next week if McSorley is the quarterback. Mm, under. Did you say PPR, full PPR? Uh-huh. I'll go over. Okay. Yeah. I hope it's under because I'm facing him in my matchup next week in my big <laughs> league. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill left in the first quarter but returned. Um, we'll see if how his ankle is doing. Jonathan Taylor could be out for the season. We are going to talk about the... Colts running backs, yeah. Uh, Damian Pierce on IR. To be honest with you, it was really a pretty light injury week, thank thankfully. Yep. Bam Knight limped off, but he did come back. Don't know his status. I think he's going to play on Thursday. Justin Tucker missed two field goals in a game for the first time since 2018. One of them was blocked. Wow. There were some defensive news items. Uh, how about well, Cam Robinson, left tackle for the Jaguars. That's not defensive, but he is out for the season. Oh, 
the Cleveland Browns lost two starting defensive players, John Johnson, safety, and Jadeveon Clowney. Clowney with a concussion. Don't know the extent there. They get the Saints. Um, oh, I thought this was interesting, kind of on the lines of what we talk about on the show. The Steelers really clamped down against the run against the Panthers. They loaded the box. Sam Darnold was talking about that. They're going to see more of that. But the Steelers also used a defensive lineman. I think his name is Marvin Leal. 6'4", 290 pounds. They used him a lot. So they basically just sold out against the run. They completely shut down the Panthers' offense. And you can you can expect similar blueprints going forward. Okay, Jacob, some of your favorite advanced stats from the weekend. Yeah, so I already mentioned Dotson. I think it was an encouraging game for him. Um, I also wanted to hit on Chris Moore. The volume that we're seeing for Chris Moore is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> he's basically... He's drawing the volume that we saw Nico Collins drawing, and he's also producing, which I think is interesting. That could be kind of an indictment on Collins, who is somebody I was really excited for. Um, But he's pretty much stepped in and drawn better volume right away. So over the past two weeks, 40% of Houston's first down targets have went to Chris Moore, which is like one of the highest rates in the league. He has a 39% target share and a 45% air yardage share. And like I said, he's actually been producing on these, whereas they were pretty hollow stat lines for Nico Collins most of the time. Um, I don't, he's not, he's not been bad for his career, but he's never been somebody who's produced anywhere near like what we've seen. So I'm curious what you guys think of this. Is this just a blip or it's been back-to-back games of really solid underlying volume? I'm really pissed about Chris Moore. I'm sorry. Because he, I I think he had what, four catches for 42 yards on nine targets. That's nothing. And I think Mm -hmm. he had all of it in the first half. So I made a fairly bold call on Chris Moore this week. I thought he was... (laughs) Uh, kind of a borderline, I wouldn't say must start, but recommended start in full PPR. I thought he was going to have a really good game. And if you told me nine targets against the Chiefs, I would have thought, you know, at least six for 60 or something, which is kind of what I was hoping for. And he completely disappeared. So I think it's still a good call by you, though, Adam, because the target volume was there. You got the process was right. And honestly, that played out pretty correctly. It just didn't play out from a production standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I just... I think if if Collins and Cooks are both out next week, then I think he goes back to being a wide receiver three. Yeah, I mean, they're getting, you're probably going to get a minimum of nine targets. Minimum. And it, Titans and Jaguars the next two games. Yeah, right. really good matchups, too. The Titans yeah. see as many wide receiver targets as just about any team in football, so you can't run on them. All right, what else you got? Uh, Jamar Chase, I just wanted to bring this up again. Uh, last week, I brought up it was his highest um, volume target game of his career. Um, and of course, that coincided with T. Higgins and <clears throat> Tyler Boyd being out. But those two were back, and we again saw Jamar just dominate um, first down targets, 33% first down target share um, in Week 15, and a 34% target share, 54% area yardage share in Week 15, even with Higgins and Boyd back. So over the past two weeks, 40% target share for the Bengals. Um it's just really exciting to see this type of a trend possibly developing because we've never really seen him be somebody who completely dominates the target share. He's gone by on just like ridiculous efficiency. Um, so if he can continue to do this, I, I think the sky's the limit. We're talking about like probably the best receiver in fantasy if this is in any way sustainable. Um, did you guys get to watch that game? I, I feel like mm-hmm. T. Higgins is not at full health, but... I'm curious what you think. Well, I didn't watch. I didn't watch it in those terms. I was going to say actually, Carlton Davis did a terrific job against Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the red zone. Didn't yeah. shadow him, but he did do a really nice job. Also got away with a couple of pass interferences, but uh, I don't hear Bengals fans crying like the Commanders fans. But <laughs> uh, no, I didn't see that. I don't know, Dan, if you have any insight on Higgins. Not, I didn't follow him enough, so that would be something. Uh, next time, shout me out before the show, Jacob. I'll watch him a little mm-hmm. more deeply, but yeah, I haven't got to that yet. Uh, and then the last thing I want to bring up was Jalen Waddle. This was a really encouraging game from him, and we've had about a month straight of uh, pretty discouraging underlying data for him. Um, but yeah, he drew a target on 31% of his routes, had a 46% air yardage share, um, and just was consistently getting open down the field. So feel good about him going into the fantasy stretch run here. Okay, let's see if I have just a few stats before we turn it over for the film review here. Uh, yeah, I got this on Gabe Davis. Josh Allen, before the elbow injury in his first eight games, mm. he threw 13 passes of 35 or more air yards. In his last six games since the elbow injury, he has thrown four passes mm. of 35-plus yeah. air yards. Only one of them has gone to Gabe Davis. I'm just not starting Gabe Davis anymore. Yeah. Um, mm. 
that was I have a lot on McKinnon, but he's one of our topics. That's about it. How about Kirk Cousins is fourth in the NFL in pass attempts? It's wow. not an advanced stat, but it's a good thing to know. And I trust him this week against the Giants. I think he's going to have a good game. Oh, yeah, he will. Really good game coming for him. David Johnson ran more routes than Alvin Kamara. Oh, this no. Week. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's the stat of the brutal. show right there. Alvin Kamara ran That is routes. the stat of the show. Me saying in week five that I wanted nothing to do with Kamara. I just want to throw that back because I get so he, many He wrongs. had like 108 total yards, something like that. Yeah. He didn't have and a they face, game. They face Cleveland next week. Great. 108 yards, no touchdowns. Minimal involvement in the past game. What is he now? Why is everybody killing me in the chat? What are they killing you for? Adam likes his fingers before he flips to the next... Oh, li- it probably means licks his finger before he <laughs> flips to the next page on his Kindle. <laughs> That's good. Um, what else we got? Adam's takes are as strong as Jonathan Taylor's... Ankle. Oh, jeez. Oh, what did I do? I don't <laughs> know. What I, I, you ever hear about... Uh, you know, you, just like Omar once said in a show you, for some <laughs> god-awful reason, never seen... And you probably don't even know what I'm referencing. The Wire, Dan. I get <laughs> okay. it. The Wire. Yeah. Omar I've Little seen said it. once. Omar Little once said, "If you come at the king, you best not miss." Yeah. <laughs> For the last time, I've seen The Wire. It's a boring version of The Shield. Go ahead and watch The Shield and get oh, back to me. God, this take is. I. You've never seen The just, Shield. You, so how can I you actually comment? have seen the full every episode of The Shield. Love The Shield. Really? Great show. In my top fifteen. Amazing show. <laughs> amazing ending. Um, the final the season of The Shield was phenomenal. The last oh, four or five episodes, phenomenal amazing, stuff. Amazing. As good as it gets. The Forrest Whitaker season, best season of the Amazing. show. Yeah. Um, so good I've seen you. The Shield. I've seen all great shows, Adam. So nice try there. I didn't know this about you. This is good. Maybe I forgot. I'm very impressed. All right, Dan, let's get your film review here. Okay. What what, uh, what are we watching this week? Let's dive into the film. And as Adam knows at length, I do want to caveat this by saying this Cam Robinson injury for the Jaguars scares the hell out of me. He's their starting left tackle. And sometimes you can recover from left tackle injuries as an offense, but it usually doesn't happen the week after. If we remember, for example, earlier this season when the Chargers lost Rashawn Slater, their all-pro left tackle, it took them a few games to start to get that pass game going. The first game, it looked like they couldn't even operate a drop-back pass system. So I want to keep that in mind, but I want to say this. We had a really good spot this week with the Jaguars against the Cowboys because as Adam mentioned on a previous podcast, and he was right, just two weeks ago, Lawrence and that offense struggled against the Lions. But what I saw on tape, the week after that is a change in how they operated that offense, a much more aggressive pass heavy attack, attacking different areas of the field, utilizing Evan Ingram up the seam, which was an important piece. So two things as we went into this Cowboys game, I wanted answered one would Evan Ingram be just a blip in the, you know, a blip and they wouldn't continue to use him and find ways to have him open up their offense. And two, would it be okay? Well, they torch the Titans past events, but they go against the Cowboys and now they're back to earth. And both things remain true. They continue to utilize Evan Ingram in the pass game to help open up the rest of that offense up the seam. And they beat a pretty damn good pass defense in Dallas. I know they're not as good as they once were, whatever. But he torched them through the air, Trevor Lawrence, and they look just as good. So I have the answer to my question. You know, assuming the Cam Robinson injury at left tackle doesn't kill them. My answer is this offense is now clicking and cooking and will be really good rest of the season, including this game against the Jets. One player I really focused on in this game for the film review was Zay Jones. Zay Jones is a player I talked about on this like five weeks ago as a must add, and I'm really happy that I did. Hopefully some of you scooped him up because this isn't a this isn't, you know, fake. This isn't Fugazi. This is real stuff was was Zay Jones. And I and I hope you like that Fugazi call there, Adam, because it's me trying to be Italian again. But some of my notes, uh, film notes on Zay Jones early on, right away, design quick hitting screen to get him the ball at the line of scrimmage, allow him to run after the catch, nine yard gain. He caught a touchdown on a mesh route, nothing crazy for him, just traffic over the middle. The 14 yard catch he made after that settled down really nice in between the linebacker and the safety for a whole shot. This is the reason why this offense is so good right now. Lawrence is more comfortable throwing these tight window whole shot throws than almost any quarterback in the NFL right now. They ISOed him one on one for a double move as the X receiver, which is essentially just, you know, the receiver lines up on the left side. Um, in the red zone, they target him in the end zone. He didn't win that double move, it was incomplete. A few plays later, later in the game, he runs an incredible double move on the right side as the flanker completely freezes the defender. Lawrence finds him, hits him for a 55-yard touchdown. Later in the game, he ran a deep out in the fourth quarter. Should have been another 18-yard gain, but the DB grabbed him. No DPI, it's fine. But later in the game, a few plays after that, on their fourth quarter game-tying 
field goal drive. He does an excellent job working back to the quarterback on kind of like a broken play where his route was covered. And that just kind of shows what he is right now. He's Trevor Lawrence's best friend in the passing game. He works back to the quarterback. He has double moves. He catches screens. He catches everything really thrown to him. So right now I'm very high on Zay Jones and that entire passing game right now. Evan Ingram as well, I think will continue to move forward and get, get the same kind of volume he's been getting. So those are my, my takeaway here is start Zay Jones. Don't think it's a you know random fluke game and continue to have some confidence in Evan Ingram as at worst the back end tight end one. Zay Jones is now six in the NFL on end zone tar- end zone targets with twelve. Wow. Uh, Christian Kirk has ten. He's eleventh. DK Metcalf leads all receivers with nineteen end zone targets. Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson have fifteen. Amari Cooper thirteen, and Zay Jones and Cortland Sutton have twelve. So we told you that last week that nobody throws in the end zone more often than Trevor Lawrence, and Zay Jones was uh, the recipient of some of that, certainly in uh, in week 16. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I can't say, oh, Baltimore's great defense, and they and Dallas is great defense. Are the Jets better? I feel like they are. They are. I feel like they're playing defensively. I think they have the best defense in football. No, San Fran. Uh, okay, that's fair. Um, they might have second best though. Yeah. I mean, Denver's obviously very good, but they haven't been quite as good since the Chubb trade. If they get Quinn and Williams back this week, it would be even better for them. And I'm going to be really interested to see what sauce Gardner does in this matchup. Cause there's a lot of options for him. Well, is he, it gonna be I don't think he moves. I don't think he moves he, either, he but moves, will he usually move? what they do is Reed plays right corner yeah. and Gardner plays left corner. Kirk's going to play in the slot more. So I think he's going to avoid those guys more, right? But, what is your overall level of confidence in the Jaguars offense on Thursday at the Jets? Zero to ten. I really don't want to get burned by this with this Cam Robinson injury and then putting in a random left tackle, but I'm going to go for it anyway and hope that doesn't matter somehow. And I'm going to go with a seven here. Jacob? When yeah, offenses was, click like this. Sorry, go ahead, Jacob. I was going to say five, five or six. That's probably fair and, and safer. But sometimes these pass games just click and then nothing can really stop them. I think we might be at that point right now. I hope so. I mean, I hope this is the beginning of of the career that everybody's hoping for for uh, for Trevor Lawrence. All right. Oh, yeah. So my dynasty QB rankings were Oops. this morning on HQ, this afternoon on HQ. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, um, Bur- Herbert, Burrow, Lawrence, ahead of Fields, ahead of Jackson, ahead of. Uh, I would have Hurts the lowest of the guys you mentioned. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And I'm and I'm okay saying that and I'm fine saying that. I have the least faith that he's going to be playing for the longest of all those guys. And I like Hurts. I think he's made some, uh, some I don't really need, big strides. I don't need these guys to play till 40. I need the next five years. <laughs> okay. We're only talking about like the next five years instead of the next 10. I can understand that. And it's still possible. I mean, look, he's made some really good strides as a passer, but things have been so nice around him this year with Jalen Hurts. I mean, is, are the Eagles every year going to have the best offensive line in football and arguably the best one-two wide receiver combination? Maybe, but the salary cap starts to, you know, at some point it doesn't, you know, always look that way with injuries and salary cap. Mm, so I don't know. Sounds like some Eagles hate there. It's not Eagles hate. I've given <laughs> a lot of praise. I literally did a thread on Twitter last week praising Jalen Hurts. He is making some incredible plays, incredible throws. He he's he definitely evolved. I still what like him that? as like the sixth or seventh, but I just couldn't get myself to go him with him over Herbert Burrow, maybe Lawrence. Uh, Squeeze in the chat says Adam is the type of guy to yell Geronimo. No, that's when he such a wrong take. Adam is the t- take. Adam is the type of guy who's too scared to jump in the deep <laughs> end of the pool. <laughs> that's I grew up with a pool, Dad. I jumped in the deep end all the time. Okay, Wait, okay, fine. Adam is the guy who holds his nose when he jumps. Into the pool. <laughs> No, I'm the guy who holds his nose when he drinks emergency because it tastes so <laughs> terrible. Uh, by the way, the, the fake Italian Dan's film review on Zay Jones just said, Mamma Mia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jacob, top five dynasty, top six dynasty quarterbacks. I think I agree with pretty much how you laid it out. I, I would probably move Hertz down a spot or two um, if you're worried about longevity there. I think it, the easy you know parallel to draw is Kyler Murray. Um, people were really high on him for dynasty just two or three years ago. And it's really tanked quickly. Um, so if you don't believe in him and as a passer, then it, it could get ugly, but I think he's actually been, he's shown a lot of really encouraging signs as a passer. So I wouldn't, I don't know if that's a fair comparison or not, but yeah, no, I think you laid it out pretty much exactly how I would. Okay. 
Um, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Colts running backs. I think we've knocked out one of our big topics, which was Zay Jones and the Jaguars passing game. But we'll talk about Jarek McKinnon. Really interested to hear what you guys have to say about Jarek McKinnon. When we come back, we'll discuss that on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Box Score. And Schneier's getting killed for saying that Lawrence is better than Jalen Hurts. Uh, dynasty. dynasty. I'll stand by it. It's, it's not, it, it could easily be something this time next year. Nobody's saying that's crazy at all or easily. Yeah. Or this time next week. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, just remember we're talking about, but a, I, a super I think, elite okay, I think it's here. fair to say that was a little bit of an overstatement. I want to correct it and say, I would have hurts over Lawrence, but I would a hundred percent have burrow and Herbert over, over hurts. And I stand by that. Okay. All right, four big topics. Number one comes from Campbell. He wants us to talk about the Colts running back situation. Jacob, uh, they have a, just terrific matchups. The Chargers and the Giants, their next two games. Chargers at home, Giants on the road for the Colts. Yep. And since Jeff Saturday took over, they are averaging 27 running back carries per game, but only 4.4 running back targets per game. They've just become extremely run-heavy. And yeah, they're one in five or one in four with him. But the Dallas game was the only game that wasn't very competitive. They they obviously they had the thirty nothing lead um, at halftime. They had the, the uh, Eagles on the ropes. They beat the Raiders. I don't remember the other game. But what do you think? Which one do you prefer, Moss or Jackson? And do you think we can start them? I think that we can start them. Um, the matchups, like you said, are really good. I would have guessed that it was going to be Deion Jackson, but the usage was definitely better for Zach Moss. And I think Zach Moss has actually looked decent this year when given opportunities. Um, so like, I, I, he's the one that I would lean towards. The snap rate uh, favored Moss in the red zone. He saw more red zone rushing or red zone touches than any player in the NFL. Had eight. Um, Deion Jackson had four in week 15 uh and yeah 67 percent snap rate for moss 32 percent for jackson um and he ran more routes as well so uh, he's the one i would lean towards we have seen them really like give jackson all the workload in the past but um this week it was moss and it seems like he's acclimated well and is ready to take on a larger workload so i would would lean towards him i completely agree with jacob on this by the way i think part of it is one he'll keep that red zone role and two they traded for Moss. They have to kind of mm-hmm. see in a, in a season like this one what they have in him moving forward. Is he a piece they can build around? Obviously not as like their main piece or foundation of a run game, but somebody who they think can be a contributor on their roster. Uh, and I know Deion Jackson is a similar player in that regard, but Ma- they didn't trade for the Jackson. They kind of knew already what they have. Now it's time to kind of find out what they have in Moss. Yeah, and I would dismiss it really if it weren't the Chargers this week. But if they can just hang around, stay competitive... I yeah. think you could make a case of starting Zach Moss over. Oh, let's see. So who's over like Deontay Foreman against Detroit? You could definitely yes. make that case. Um, you could make a case for starting him over the Falcons guys against Baltimore. I think that's an easy case to make, even with Algier coming off that big game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had any yep. interest in the Texans running backs, you're not going to have that this week at Tennessee. Um, Ken, no, not Ken Walker. Ken Walker is going to be back in your lineup. You could consider maybe maybe Brian Robinson. But yeah, Gibson. that's a great point. Brian Robinson mm-hmm. at San Francisco. At least give yourself the option and pick up these guys. Start with Zach Moss. Give yourself the option. You know Pacheco against Seattle. I don't yeah. know. Um. All right. So that's kind of a quick topic. Good stuff. 
just want to point out that the final tally in carries was 24 for Moss and uh, 13 for Jackson. Before Jackson fumbled, it was 18 for Moss and 13 for Jackson, and then Moss had the last six. Uh, all right, from Joey, he just says, McKinnon! Six <laughs> exclamation points. Jerry McKinnon has scored 32 or more PPR fantasy points in two straight games. And and I struggle to figure out the why to this, Jacob. And I, <laughs> I wonder if it's a Hardman thing. I mean, if you really, his target share surge began as soon as McCole Hardman uh, went on IR. So mm-hmm. Hardman could be back this week, but is that what it is? Is it just a coincidence how much are you buying it? Let's talk about McKinnon with six exclamation points. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought up Hardman. I think that is a good point. They script a lot of short yardage things just, just to get the ball in, in Hardman's hands. And I think we've seen that go to McKinnon a little bit more, especially with Kadarius Tony sideline as well. Um, just barely played this week. Um, but he also is dominating the uh, snap share in the red zone over the past two weeks. He has 85% of Kansas City's red zone snaps, which is the fifth highest among all running backs. Um he has a 61% route involvement rate past two weeks, which is eighth highest among running backs. So there are some underlying um, data points here that uh, give McKinnon some, you know, semblance of a projectable fantasy value. I don't know if you should continue to expect him to be ripping off explosive plays and scoring touchdowns <laughs> right. at the rate that he has. Um, but he's in one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, you know, and we've seen that he's kind of the guy that they seem to trust in it's been weird that these games have been close, but the past two games have been close and that's favored McKinnon. Whereas like in the game script where they're clearly, you know, winning and just leading on the run, that's more of a Pacheco game script. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I think he's how, like, how do you guys compare him to the Indianapolis guys that we'd like Zach Moss? Um, is he someone you're clearly starting because we've had the production or do you favor the usage with Moss? Clearly starting him over the, I am yeah. clearly starting him over the Colts guys. Okay. If it were one guy for the Colts, I would start that one guy ahead of McKinnon. But no, I I, I agree. I think at this point I'll I'll buy into McKinnon, but I I recognize there's a ton of downside. It's, you know. Well, I'll say this about that. Like Jacob said, it's weird that the Chiefs have been in the like they they've been you know game scripts that can favor McKinnon. But I don't know, man. I feel like over the last few years of watching the Chiefs. They just play down to their bad opponents. This they is do. just kind of what the Chiefs are. It's just kind of what they've always been. If they have a good matchup, they'll play up to those good teams. But I don't know if there's going to be any games where they're just blowing teams out. It's not really the Chiefs' MO. And I'll also say this, just from an eye test standpoint with McKinnon, he is, like I talked about earlier how Zay Jones had a couple reps on film this week where he worked back toward the quarterback, which I don't always see receivers doing, kind of presenting yourself to the quarterback. It's like a best friend, quarterback's best friend. McKinnon does a really good job of that in the pass game as well. Like he knows where to be for Mahomes and he gets to the right spots for Mahomes to find him. So I think there's some value to that as well. He just scares me as the player that we're, you know, oh, you got to start McKinnon, you got to start McKinnon, and then it's going to be a total dud. <laughs> Um, when is CH coming back? Isn't that somewhat soon? He's eligible. He's missed okay. four games, but I haven't heard mm-hmm. a word about him. And I yeah. also don't really think he matters. Uh, he doesn't. He was being really phased out. Uh, he had six carries in his last three games. There hasn't been a single year since he was drafted I that I didn't draft at least one share of him. And there hasn't been a single time that I haven't regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right. The, the touchdowns are what you really can't rely on, I think. For McKinnon, I but they hope- have regretted it. Sorry, hopefully you can. That's okay. Hopefully you can rely on the catches at least. In, in the last six games since Pacheco has really emerged, uh, McKinnon's played 14 snaps inside the five yard line. That's second most on the team. Pacheco's played only six snaps. Wow. But McKinnon has one target inside the five yard line. Um, out of ten targets, out of ten team targets, he has only one. Uh, Pacheco has five carries from that range in the last six games compared to two for McKinnon. And, you know, it's funny. Like, Kelsey's really the only guy that plays a lot in that range. Otherwise, they mix and match quite a bit. It's not like McKinnon's there that much. He's just there more than the other guys, other than Kelsey. Uh, We have a poll that I haven't mentioned. We'll get to our last topic in a moment, but I can't really comment on this one. But which is your favorite Christmas classic? Which Christmas classic do you prefer? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, or How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Jacob, you want to help us out here? <laughs> Which Grinch are we talking about? Jim Carrey? Schaefer, is this like the books or what? What do we... No, these are the like the cartoons, the animated oh, right, stuff. Right, right, right. Never yeah. seen any of them. Hmm. Yeah, me either. 
I think I saw Frosty the Snowman last year, last Christmas. I mean, look, he's days. he's a guy who has a high hit rate, but this is a straight up miss from Tom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it's a little. It's you know, I think you should have clarified it was the cartoons, but that that's all. Then you know this, Dan? Yeah, at Home Alone. I know some basic yeah, things. <laughs> I I think that uh, oh the way he's got the wet bandit shirt that's great I saw I missed it uh, live, um he's got a lot of great Home Alone attire he had a Nero little Nero's pizza hat last night I love Home Alone yeah he sure does <laughs> uh, all right I'm gonna vote here just to see let's I'm gonna vote for um if I had to watch one it'd be the Grinch yeah and the Grinch is running away with it fifty seven percent. Look at this guy, Daniel. He says he's, he knows these are classics. He likes to poll. He enjoys the poll. Never, never trust a Daniel that goes by Daniel. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that... Oh, how did you miss these growing up? Um, Daniel asks us. Well, I'll throw that to Jacob. Jay, did you watch these growing up, Jacob? I watch all of them. I don't really remember Frosty, the snowman, um, but I, I, I have seen all of them. Yeah, and my my wife has too. So I think you know the the for the the people who celebrate Christmas got a lot of enjoyment out of that that YouTube poll. It was a big win for Thomas Schaefer. A big win. <laughs> way, way to go! Uh, all right, this one's from Tyler. Are matchup rankings more important for certain positions, or should you just trust your top options during the playoffs? It's a great question. Um, I am of the belief, and this is not correct or based on science so i'm curious to get both of your takes on it that i just don't bench my big names i just don't do it i don't find a way to do it it's hard i never do it i mean look it depends if there's a horrific matchup on the horizon injuries around them to their teammates maybe but i'm like josh allen was a player who i know a lot of people were like telling me to bench even this week because it was that like cold windy snowy game and one of my and i'm like i'm not benching josh allen all right and what does he do he goes out and has like four passing touchdowns a rushing touchdown and the game wasn't even that cold or bad weather so i don't know i'm i'm mostly starting my guys i don't think there's a science behind it but what do you guys do i think um there i mostly agree with you but there are a few exceptions there are some guys who are very specific in the types of matchups that they do well against or don't do well against. Some guys have very specific man um, for zone splits and things like that. Um, and at this point in the season, we have so much data that we really can feel relatively confident in those splits. Um, and so there are a few occasions, like Amari Cooper stands out as someone who's like clearly better against man, against press coverage, teams that are, have more aggressive defenses and has struggled against zone coverages a lot. Um, and then he also has like <laughs> road home splits as well. So like there are some spots where I would be willing to sit a stud um, based on the matchup. And I, I think the fact that we're in the playoffs like does present us with more information to feel more confident in those yeah. decisions. Um, or like t some teams blitz at a really, really high rate and that clearly affects the target distributions for certain quarterbacks yeah. or like the air yardage in terms of like where the quarterback's going to look to throw, are they going to get rid of it quickly or they, you know, find standing against the blitz and taking deep shots and finding guys open one-on-one. -on -one. Um, mm -hmm. I cover all this on sports and I go through schematic matchups and try to find the few specific um, defenses that really stand out as outliers and do present, um, you know, possible changing points for some of these guys, but mostly you're starting your studs. I could talk about this for a half hour. This is the age-old <laughs> question. To ask to answer the first part of the question is, are matchup rankings more important for certain positions? Mm. That's interesting. I think probably the least important at wide receiver um, and tight end. You know, tight end's just its own thing, right? You've got your yeah. guys and, and whatever, but the ones that are good. Um, to me, it's more important at running back, but not everyone would agree with that. This was a bad week for me in terms of trying to guess the matchups and the performances because two guys that I was pretty low on were David Montgomery and Saquon Barkley, and I wasn't telling everyone to just outright sit Saquon Barkley or Montgomery. Montgomery much more so than Barkley. Like Barkley is Barkley, but but that's the thing. I didn't really think Barkley was Barkley. I thought that mm -hmm. we had a six-game sample showing that he's just not what right. we want him to be. Um, yeah. it, was, it was fairly convincing. We haven't seen an explosive play in like a month and a half from him. And um, I was a little surprised by the performance. And the Washington running defense is really good. And I, you know what I haven't done is I haven't looked at what he did on the last drive of the game. Because I bet his numbers were much less impressive before that. But yet he still scored and he had five catches. Montgomery, I thought the Eagles were going to steamroll them. 
The Eagles, when they have Jordan Davis, they're an elite run defense. I And Montgomery's not an elite running back, so I did not expect him to have 4.4 yards per carry or whatever. Uh, it wasn't a good week for me in that regard. But, you know, I get a lot of those right. I get some of them wrong. You know, it's like any other thing. The, the, the harder part is when you say, do you just trust your top options and go with your guys? Is Where do you draw the line? Right. right? Like David Montgomery, to me, is never in that group. No. For Heath, he mm-hmm. always is. You know, <laughs> just it's just a personal thing. Right. Um, and how about Lamar Jackson this week? Is someone going to tell me that if I tell you to sit Lamar Jackson, I'm crazy, you got to start your studs? Ja- Lamar Jackson has been the number 17 wide receiver yeah. per game in his last... I think eight starts. Quarterback, quarterback. Oh uh, yeah, sorry, quarterback. Yep. So I don't find him to be a stud. He's not someone I would start. Not without Rashad Bates. Probably going to start with him, receiver you know, I'm probably going to start him this week. But you know, like Kirk Cousins versus be. Lamar Jackson, I think I'd go Cousins. Cousins for sure. There's a lot of quarterbacks that go over Lamar. So I play the matchups. I think more than other people do. And when I'm okay. wrong, it's you. How could you possibly sit the stud? <laughs> when I'm right, it's hey guys, what are your questions for five big topics six weeks? Six, What's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with it? Like it's like everybody <laughs> wants right. to pile on when the stud doesn't do well. When the stud does well, you're an idiot forever thinking about benching him. <laughs> so I, uh, I I think I'm a little bit more matchup, uh, more more matchup swayed than other people. I'm not telling you that I'm right. I just I am uh, more matchup interested in the matchups, uh, but never with like Mahomes or anything like that. Never with the the elites. Uh, but no. that being said, um, I would say running back is the position where I value the matchups the most and trying to guess game script a little bit. Like the reason I didn't like Montgomery is because there's been in the games that Jordan Davis has played, there's been one running back with more than 13 or 14 carries against the against the Philly uh, against the Eagles. And he had 12. And he scored two touchdowns. What the hell can I do about that? I did not expect him to score two touchdowns. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything you want to add on that. But uh, to me, it's I, I play the running back matchups more than anything else. Just one thing I want to add on that, just because I brought it up earlier, and I just want to hit a couple more stats. And as I said, with Barkley, he passed the eye test on tape as far as being back from an explosive standpoint. There's also a couple other things to look into. One, and I mentioned this on the mailbag last week, Adam, after Thursday's practice, said it was his best practice year. He said he felt like himself. Sometimes it's got to listen to the players and what they're telling you. Also, he had five first downs over expected. It's a stat, advanced stat, just to bring some advanced stats into it. In that game, it was the most of any single running back in a game since 2020 when Alvin wow. Kamara had that six touchdown game. So five rushing first downs over expected. But that's the thing. It's based on what he had done the previous six games, it was hard to predict that for Barkley. Oh, no, I completely agree. Right. right? Like all you could do is be like, ah, is he telling the truth that he feels right, himself right. again in practice? Right. So we've no, heard that from a lot of players and exactly. it doesn't always come very come hard true. to expect that. This stuff is it's not easy, you know? It's its not easy to predict sports. <laughs> um, all right, we have to talk about a little bit of a controversy before we end the show. Uh-oh. I'm going to try to find the comment here because oh, no. you did criticize Daniel Edinger, Edinger for having the name Daniel, <laughs> and then it was pointed out by Ethan. Dan, didn't you just tell Danny Garbo to go by Dan or Daniel the other day? Because you said <laughs> grown men or something, don't go by Danny, whatever you said. That is a great point, Ethan. <laughs> so Way what's going on here? On that. Even in the moment when I made that take, I did kind of think about that. And I am okay with Daniel in a professional setting. That's why I kind of, you know, left it in there. Danny, under no circumstances. But Daniel, if it's a professional setting, you're working in an office, I understand. You're you're an important person in an important position at a company. Fine. But this is YouTube. This is fantasy football. Go by Dan. <laughs> All right, Jacob, we're not going to talk to you for another week. Uh, what are your Christmas plans? Uh, we are heading home for Christmas, so we're going to go from beautiful Tucson where it's 65 degrees to <laughs> Nebraska and Kansas City. Uh, there's a huge snowstorm expected. Yeah. I <laughs> I would rather not, personally. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, oh, it'll be well. fun. It'll be good. That's a good everybody. take by you. But yeah, it's going to be brutal. Happy holidays. <laughs> and um, Dan, did you buy any gifts for anyone that, that you're really excited about? No. Did you? I mean, I just told my wife to tell me what she wants. So tell <laughs> That's me if this, it always is. Tell like, me it's if hard this, to get excited. Right. So does this count, right? So she wanted a pillow, like a special pillow. So okay. I got it for her. And then as I'm buying it online, I'm like, should we just get the pair? 
So, <laughs> so I you got, got it for yourself yeah. too. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's such a bad gift by you. It's a oh terrible my gift now, but I mean that's what she wanted. You ruined the gift by doing that. You should have just bought the other one a few months later. Oh I don't know. I mean, she gave me the green light. Move. She gave me the green light. So now she's gonna be like, this wasn't even a gift. She gave you the green light for now, but it's gonna come back to haunt you later. Nah, she's not like that. I no, don't know. I, I really don't know what to get her. I'm terrible with this. I got her socks. Yeah, it's so hard to get people <laughs> gifts. Like she likes socks. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, one is, one suggestion I have for gift getting is buy experiences. Don't buy things. Those are always people are always more happy when you buy experiences, especially if you're part of it and that person's close to you. Oh, uh, for I, we're doing a white elephant. You know what white elephant is? No, what is that? It's a, the best. So, okay, let's say there's ten adults at the Christmas party. Everyone buys a gift for us. We we did thirty dollars. Thirty dollars or under, right? You know, so we write aim for thirty bucks. Everyone buys a gift. You wrap it. You display them all, and then you you draw numbers one through ten. Okay. And let's say you drew one. You're the first person to pick. You get to pick any of the unwrapped gifts. Okay. And then it's yours. Now you ideally want ten because the later you go, you get to pick a gift, and if you don't like it, you get to steal someone else's gift. What so, do you mean you get to steal someone? Anyone gets to steal? You don't. If you're number one, you you're screwed. You get to steal only anything. number one. Doesn't number get ten to steal? gets to steal any gift he or she wants. <laughs> so the later you are. You get to stand. Now, you don't have to play it with that rule. You can just pick okay. gifts at random. But inevitably, if you have a good crowd, some of the gifts are going to be terrible but very funny. And some <laughs> of the gifts are going to be like really good gifts. Uh, right. So I bought. I hope nobody that I'm at my Christmas party is listening. Don't listen. Uh, one of the gifts, one of the white elephant gifts, is going to be a pair of socks, a pair of Sophia from the Golden Girls socks, <laughs> and a mug of Bob Ross. And when you put hot liquid in it, a painting shows up. Like, oh, that's pretty that. cool, actually. If there's no painting and there's no hot water, there's no painting. But if there's something hot in there, there's like a painting okay. shows up. So um, I, like I totally recommend White Elephant. We have an amazing time every year we do it. That is fun. Go I for like it. that. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the Waiver Wire Show. Talking about those Colts running backs and more on Fantasy Football Day. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.